Thank you for reading this analog book. It requires no additional hardware, uses no power, and is 100% recyclable. You will find that it is possible to read or not read any of this book's pages in any sequence. While its pages have been numbered sequentially to assist in navigation, there is no reason to consult these numbers if you do not wish. Should you like to highlight a passage, you will find that you can mark the page with most any implement at hand. Even a fingernail will do. The paper of this book is also soft enough to be folded, torn, even shredded if that gives you satisfaction, without special tools. You are free to share this book, resell it, or donate it to charity. The author and publisher of this book do not have any information about you. They do not even know that you have a copy of this book unless they sent it to you personally. And if they did send it to you personally, that is, you can always pretend to have read the book without having done so. You can also deny having read it, should that prove expedient. It's your business, really. Welcome to the world of analog books. Moore meets Murphy. The off-sided Moore's Law refers to the rapid development of integrated circuits since the 1960s, and therefore to computers and digital equipment generally, which follow a pattern of doubling in power and capacity every 18 months. But there's an overlooked corollary to this, which we might call Murphy's Moore's Law. If aspects of a given technology functioned better before the introduction of integrated circuits, they must be getting worse at the same fantastic rate twice as bad, every 18 months. Consider the typography of this book. In 1965, when Gordon Moore first formulated his observations about the rapid development of solid-state electronics, books were set in hot metal type. That is, their words were cast into lead, resulting in crisp, detailed impressions on paper. What's more, the technology for hot metal typography had at that point been refined by so many generations of designers and typesetters that even an inexpensive, commercially produced book like this would bear many marks of typographic excellence accumulated over time. A few years later, while Moore was extending his law of growth to personal wealth by co-founding the semiconductor manufacturer Intel, electronics began to make phototypesetting more cost-efficient than hot metal. Phototypesetting, or cold type, was by comparison prone to distortion and breaks in letter forms, and limited in its ability to use the full range of delicate typefaces that had been designed over centuries for lead. But since it utilized electronics, the cost of cold type went down while its capacity rapidly increased, just as Moore observed. Over the centuries, hot metal innovations had accrued at a speed somewhat closer to the flow of molten lead. This is where Murphy comes in. Since cold type was in many respects lower in quality than what preceded it, increasing its availability could only lead to more and more bad typography, which is exactly what happened. Today, any of us with a computer has the means to typeset thanks to more, but only some are skilled at it, and as a result, we are surrounded by a massive amount of typography without a minimum of professional standards. Living with a graphic designer has made me acutely aware of this, public signage that fails to use smart quotes is among her bete noir. Meanwhile, not only the commercial hot metal type houses, but also their phototypesetting successors have closed out of neglect. Machines junked, the chain of skilled human expertise broken. The refined technology of hot metal typography 
is limited now to artisanal specialty uses. A letterpress invitation to the retirement party for an Intel executive, say, but never an ordinary book like this one. 